When a manufacturing startup launches, it likely does so with a unique, original, or at least marketable product. As the company continues to build on its success, other products are developed through organic means to the point where the company's product line is growing nicely. At this stage, the company may pause and consider its future to continue to grow organically or use funds in a war chest and hit the acquisition trail. It can be a conundrum, something that many manufacturers have experienced. Acquisitions can be far quicker than continuing to develop products internally, but they have their own challenges, which could end up being more problematic than the acquisition is worth. Technology is pervasive in manufacturing today, and even here, pondering the question of acquisition or organic growth, digital technology can play an important role. Hello, I'm Chris Henry, and this is Ahead of the Curve, a podcast series produced by Gerrit and the first of its kind to deal with Salesforce technology within the manufacturing industry. Our guests include Gerrit's VP of Manufacturing Practice, David Morley, who has spent four decades in the manufacturing industry, running companies that make agricultural and automotive products, resins and plastics, and industrial machinery, among others. We'll also hear from Kevin Shaw, who's a global product manager experienced in business development as well, and who has some 30 years in manufacturing. So which path to growth is optimal? Organic growth or growth through acquisition? Well, there's no easy answer, of course, but wouldn't acquisitions be a fast track to growth? Here's David Morley. Well, it can be, and it depends on the market. If there is, if there are acquisitions in the marketplace that have access to that uh, adjacency or white space that you're looking to interrupt, it, it can be certainly the fastest way to, to grow. But there are limitations around availability of those candidates. So let's say you're looking at your strategy and you come up with goals around growth around a certain product line, and you already have candidates in line that you've vetted that are willing to sell that can that can really work out but you've you've got to have the stars aligned for that i think in all cases you have to have an alternate organic strategy for growth so when you're looking at new products they have to be tied into the strategy in the same way you have to be looking at your capability and capacity to build out organically alongside acquisition what about the timeline getting a product to market i mean it still seems that that an acquisition would be far quicker yeah. And so, Chris, if you can find those businesses and, and the, the timing is just right, it could work out that you could get to market quicker with acquisition. You, it's good to have that strategy. I've, when I've run businesses, I've always had an acquisition funnel. So I've had an acquisition strategy with uh, lanes of investment and candidates that I'm looking at constantly. And I'm looking at their information from systems like Dun & Bradstreet, and I'm keeping that up to date. And I'm making sure that I'm seeing any changes in management or investment so I can engage in, in conversations with them. But if those product lines are, are, are tied to my growth, I can't just let it be that. You have to have an organic plan to grow your product lines into white spaces and adjacencies. And I start with adjacencies. So if you, an example might be if you're making a, a sky lift, um, a cherry picker, mm -hmm. and it's for the construction market, 
does it have applications in agriculture? Does it have applications in construction? Does it have applications in military? And you would look at those areas first and you would look at them alongside uh, your acquisition strategy because the chances of you redeveloping or reorganizing your current product line and making it more applicable in those adjacencies would be, would be faster than acquisition typically. Historically, organic growth has proven to be the road to greater overall corporate success, largely because it's sustainable. And David Morley also points out that technologies like Salesforce can play a large role in contributing to that organic growth. So if you look at, the, if you look at publicly traded companies, not that all companies are, but typically the share price is rewarded more for organic growth than it is for growth through acquisition. In the end, it's not sustainable. You can't just grow through acquisition, strip out costs and move forward. There are a lot of hidden costs and dangers around acquisition. Integration is, is really a tricky thing to do. You know, we work to businesses that spend a lot of money on integration where they, they're integration all, integrating all of the reporting and financial systems and uh, their efforts around you know, the different areas of the business, whereas you know, organic growth can really just fit right into your existing business. Now, if you, are in, you know, if you are in an acquisitive company, a great way to make those acquisitions is to have common platforms for business process. A great way to do that is using a CRM system. And uh, a great way to do that is on Salesforce, in my opinion. That's the way that I've done that in the past. Uh, so I've run multiple businesses with varying financial systems on one platform through Salesforce and integrated that and also divested businesses easily that way too. So that in my opinion is the most efficient way of doing that. So let's get into let's get into some detail there. How was Salesforce aiding you and, and the companies that, that you were running? Can you get into some specifics? Give me some examples. Yeah, so you've got three different ERP systems, all of different ages, all of different conditions. But there is some common reporting that you can pull out into a into a data warehouse and push that through Salesforce to give you uh, measurements around your KPIs and strategic goals that would give you pretty quickly um, common reporting across all of those divisions. The issue around integrating two different companies into one entity is why Kevin Shaw believes acquisitions are often more trouble than they're worth. The reason I'm a firm supporter of organic growth is primarily due to the, the lack of ability to integrate other companies through acquisitions. I mean, I've seen this happen a dozen times in my career where companies get acquired, yet um, the ability to integrate those companies together fails. So I understand that the internal process of growing organically can take longer, but I believe that it's a requirement to understand who you are as a company and, and what you want to be when you grow up as a company. I think these bolt-on acquisitions cloud the vision you know, of what the company wants to be as you try to compromise between what, what you are and then what the acquired company is and try to mold those things together. Give me a, a expound on that a little bit more. What do you mean by um, you know, what you want to be as a company? So companies tend to, you know, they have an internal culture and they kind of have something that's driven them to be a successful company to start with. So they have kind of these core competencies that you that you have to understand that create your company's kind of personality. And it's really hard to find another company. And I'm not saying it's not possible, right? But most other companies have 
their own personalities. They don't always jive together. So I kind of feel like companies that know what they want to be and understand what their personality is should be able to drive growth through leveraging those those things that have got you where you are, you know? Well, if organic growth is is the preferred way to, to grow, what, what does a company need to have in place uh, apart from or in addition to knowing what it is in order to make that organic growth successful? So that, that's a really good question, Chris. So I think that these the critical part of being successful in organic growth is product management that really understands their market space, understands their customers, and understands the problems that their products can solve in the marketplace. So a firm understanding of the problem in the market and an ability to solve that problem is critical. Of course, you have to have good working relationships with your customers to get the door open to be able to be in to help them solve these problems. So I think, you know, relate good relationships in the market as well as key technical personnel to understand market problems and solutions. This implies that everyone involved in product development sees the marketplace the same way. David Morley has firsthand experience of what can happen when product developers deviate from the strategy that sales and marketing is pursuing. So new product development systems need to be organized and they need to be disciplined. So I I know that we've talked before, I gave you the example about the the company that was manufacturing ounces of material to cover the mouth grids on NFL helmets and ignoring the product that was taking tankers full of material. You only have so many resource hours to develop new products. So uh, making sure that your strategic goals are tied into the products that are being suggested for development, making sure that that's disciplined and selected in the correct fashion, and making sure that the reporting of that is real time and it's, and it's across disciplines so that everybody gets a point of view. So you're not making products that the operations people don't know about, the supply chain people don't know about, the launch date and forecasting for the salespeople is clear. Uh, that all can be easily done on a platform like Salesforce. Uh, the selection of products can be built into the opportunities as they go in so that we don't have scope creep or products creep in that don't have the right value for the company. Tell, tell me more about that situation. Specifically, the, the company manufactured a, pro- a product called Plastisol, which is used in various applications from ink for T-shirts, to you know, for screen printing in T-shirts, all the way through to uh, the base of a welcome mat as you walk through the door. Uh, it's a, a, a pretty versatile material that needs a lot of chemical development and application based upon how you're going to apply it. You know, heat's uh, an issue. The, you know, the, the, the chemical components are an issue. It's really quite technical. So it requires a lot of development to get the product working. And uh, the head chemist that looked after the MPD of that product line was really enamored by this NFL project which was producing a compound to coat the grid on the front of an NFL helmet. Mm-hmm. And the end result was ounces and a few dollars in sales. And you know, we had a salesman that was waiting for a compound to make flow cones for barriers and uh, the cones that you see in stores or the cones that you see on, on the freeway and highway that would take tankers full of material. So it's a classic example of uh, not controlling your new product development has a massive impact on your ability to grow organically. It can skew your activities away from your strategy and really can be unhelpful. But building that into a team environment with common information, making sure that we've 
selected our products strategically and we're working on the right things, that's how organic growth can be accelerated and is a, is a, is a group team decision as opposed to an, in, an individual. So I take it in, in, in the instance you've just described, Salesforce was not present. No, it wasn't. I think it was pre-Salesforce days in actual right. fact. But, you know, that's the kind of environment that you can find yourself in. Um, I mean, I, I talk to customers on a regular basis that are still talking about original ownership, handwritten ledgers, spreadsheets for information that is inaccessible by most of the people that are working in the business. And, you know, it, it doesn't have to be that way anymore. Manufacturing has been pretty slow to adopt, you know, the growth and change in the tools that are available digitally. Mm. And uh, across the board, I think you can help your strategic acquisition activities and your organic activities within a manufacturing business using digital tools like Salesforce. Technology solutions like Salesforce certainly contribute to creating the all-important holistic view within a company where everyone is on the same page at all times because of the total transparency of the data. But technology is also creating tremendous advantages on the factory floor through tools like additive manufacturing and 3D manufacturing. Together, technologies that enhance customer relationships and speed product development serve to reinforce the argument for organic growth. Here's Kevin Shaw. We live in an instantaneous satisfaction world, right? So we want to be, we want solutions right now on the spot. So having rapid prototyping capability, if you're a manufacturing company to have the ability to rapid prototype a product, to put it in somebody's hands, to touch and feel, that ability is absolutely necessary to have that. Customers make decisions based on your ability to solve a problem quickly. Uh, 3D printing, we've used for years. It's amazing the technology that's out there to be able to make, like we've actually used it to make molds. So if we want to make a, a molded part, we can do a reverse image with the 3D print. We can actually um, fill that mold with plastic and make, you know, very intricate shapes and parts that can actually be used to field test a product. If you're going to be in the manufacturing business, you better understand those rapid prototyping capabilities and have good technical people that can run those tools and provide those products quickly. So the design process, a lot of times, I mean, we like to think of it as a, a one and done kind of thing, but the process is very iterative. If you're innovating new products, there's several iterations to get there. Even the virtual models that are available today where you can interface parts and stuff like that, it takes several iterations out of the design cycle in that you're doing that on your computer screen as opposed to in the old days, you'd send the parts to the machine shop, build it, bring it back, try to put the parts together, realize they don't fit together, then back down to the machine shop for rework. And so the ability for these programs to take out several iterations of the design cycle saves a tremendous amount of money um, just you know in resources alone plus the, the opportunity cost to be able to work on something else faster, you know, to get more projects staged, uh, you know, so in the old days, you might have one big project going. Today, you can have two or three projects going at the same time. The advancements in that technology are, are really, really powerful from a business perspective. And it all feeds back into the idea of, of being able and, and being successful at growing organically. Yes, for sure. And I, again, I think you know, that comes back to kind of having a good understanding of like your product roadmaps, 
you know, where you're going with these, where the market's going and the ability to kind of keep your products relevant in the product lifecycle through innovation. I think if you're, as a company, if you're doing a good job with those kinds of things, I think you can grow organically and stay, you know, stay ahead of the curve with these things that are right square in your wheelhouse. You know, you're not venturing too far outside. The argument for organic growth may best be illustrated in a real-life situation that David Morley encountered when he worked with an agricultural machinery manufacturer. It emphasizes what can happen when a product is developed internally. So we did, we did a, a project with an outside consultant who came in and assessed our ability to grow organically versus uh, the way that we had been growing, which was through acquisition. And they showed that in the marketplace against our peer group, we were probably in the lower quartile in terms of organic growth. So we took a look at our the macro market conditions that feed down to the markets that we were in. And we also did a technology roadmap as well and, and decided where the best areas were we could focus to on growth. So we looked at a steering product that would go into utility vehicles. That market was growing, still is growing. We looked into our agricultural products because at the time there was heavy growth in infrastructure in, in Brazil, a lot of demand being placed on crop yields. And uh, we had a we had a product that was existing with you know one of the big manufacturers, John Deere, as you mentioned, that was not fully functional. So we took the product and described the function to farmers and bought in the voice of the customer and built out a product that was self-controlling. So it would stop the effect of overseeding and wasted seed as you went through the field and in, in the planting season. And we could calculate based upon the cost of seed, what the uh, losses might be and what the, what the savings would be. So we were able to build the value of the seed into the product itself. And we sold it on that value. So having explained that to most of the major manufacturers of agricultural equipment in, in the world today, we were able to secure engineering funds to develop uh, custom units around that concept for each one of them. And so the standard today is that all corn and soy seed is controlled by space and depth and where, where it lands in the field through the computer, through the um, gearbox and flexible shaft system that we developed that ended up having a cost of around a price selling price of around $250 versus the chain and sprockets that it replaced at $32, which uh, there was no notion of how to calculate the cost of using that system. So you know, I'm a big believer in organic growth. I'm a big believer in building value into your product and understanding the markets that you're in. And if you can do all of those things, you can grow organically significantly. It was a, a, a massive increase in revenue and profitability for the business that I'm talking about. There will always be times when an acquisition might be the best way to propel a company forward. A manufacturer making gas-powered lawn care products, for example, can most quickly pivot to battery-powered products through an acquisition of the technology, rather than undertaking the R&D expense of developing one's own technology. Sometimes it just makes sense to buy existing technology and not reinvent the wheel. But that's usually the exception rather than the rule. At the end of the day, as David Morley concludes, a company's best bet lies with its own ideas. So for me personally, and this is really just a personal view, it, 
Acquisitions happen if they happen, but your organic growth is your responsibility. That's the responsibility and stewardship you have of the business that you're in. So you need to know where you need to go, what investments you need to make, what capability and capacity you have. All of that has to be measured and measured against the ideas and opportunities that you have in front of you, whether it's a share of wallet with an existing customer or whether it's with uh, an idea that you're developing that's brought down from a macro market condition down to the fact that you can solve a specific problem within an area of value. One of the biggest areas I've seen of growth in businesses is where you sell your products on value. And you can only do that if people understand the value. And so with organic growth, you've already considered that and monitored it through the new product development process. So having those processes central to your to the heart of your business tied back into your strategic goals and visible to the key uh, leadership team for me is essential I, I, I just couldn't imagine running a business another way you've been listening to ahead of the curve a series about technology in industry today our thanks to David Morley Gerent's VP of manufacturing practice and Kevin Shaw for his contribution to this episode Ahead of the Curve is produced by Gerund in cooperation with Salesforce. Our technical producer is Dave Grine from the Acme Podcasting Company in Toronto. I'm Chris Henry. Thanks for being with us.